Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat episode, we'll hear from the award-winning international speaker and best-selling author, Greg Brown, about driving and managing change within organizations. Greg travels extensively, helping individuals and organizations develop resilience and ultimately create opportunities to drive positive change that bring results. As a seasoned speaker, facilitator, and consultant, Greg works with numerous Fortune 500 companies, as well as the public and not-for-profit sectors. Greg inspires audiences to break out of the status quo change management thinking and discover people-centric approaches that actually work. Greg holds a Master's of Social Science degree from the University of Leicester in in the United Kingdom with a focus on organizational psychology, leadership and performance. He has been featured on CTV's The Social and Global News, referred to to him as the fixer by News Talk 1010, iHeartRadio. And he's been published in prestigious media such as Entrepreneur and Thrive global greg is the author of the best-selling book ready set change again take control of change before it takes control of you and he'll be the speaker i'm delighted he'll be the speaker at the march 24th innovate work meetup at lighthouse labs greg it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today well thank you so much it's so great to be on the show with you today especially after that wonderful long introduction (laughs) I almost didn't stumble in the middle there. Uh, <laughs> it was a long one, but you, but you, you, you know, you've got so many accolades, sir. I had to mention some of them. Okay, so uh, firstly, please tell our listeners a bit about yourself beyond my introduction there and how you help organisations. Well, you know, one of the things I'll often tell people right off the top is, you know, I'm I'm not one of those people who are here to sell you on my ideas. You know, I really believe, you know, I come from an education background and I like to think of myself more as an educator or a teacher. And and I try to work with organizations that want to work with me, that want to elevate their effectiveness uh, and how they respond to change. And I've been lucky to, you know, to work with people like that in my career. I have a thing above my desk that says, I only work with people I like to have dinner with. And it's my guiding principle. I'm very lucky to uh, have organizations and people to work with that I do like to eat with. Okay, thank you very much. Now then, uh, in your opinion, what what does being change ready mean? Well, I, I think it means the ability to anticipate change, the ability to respond to it. And I also think it has the, it's about the ability to be very comfortable with ambiguity. And by ambiguity, I mean not knowing what the future holds. And, you know, I'm still working on doing that myself. We'll be right back after this message from Espresso. The workplace is now more than just work. It's the place where people find community, and a sense of belonging to a bigger vision and mission. That's why Espresso built the first culture benefits platform designed to make heroes out of HR teams while connecting people and community. Espresso.com is total well-being, community, recognition, and culture benefits reimagined. Looking for more ways for your people to connect while positively impacting your bottom line? Visit Espresso.com. 
That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A dot com. What is the first thing that, in your opinion, HR pros need to do for themselves and for leadership teams to be change ready? Can, can you offer some practical tips to improve processes? Absolutely. I, you know, I think one of the things, you know, and in my world, you know, I've worked in HR and written for HR and spoken at many HR conferences is, is that you know, we're the people people. We're often, you know, at the hub of the organization. Everybody comes to us with their problems and expects us, you know, to provide them with the solution or solve the problem for them. And um, one of the first things I think that's really important for those of us in HR and leaders in general is to be very clear that we can't solve everyone's problems. You know, I had a coach very early in my career that said, Greg, you're a good problem solver. And the problem with being a good problem solver is they're going to give you more problems to solve. And I would say that all of our listeners on this today are good problem solvers, so they wouldn't be in the jobs that they're in. And yet we can't solve everyone's problems. And one way to be change ready is to get to the point that you can acknowledge people's issues and acknowledgement will move people down the path. And that doesn't mean nodding your head and going, Oh, it's so sad that you're busy. It means really responding with a deep understanding of what the impact is of the change on them. One, one uh, thing I used to have on the wall of my office was a sign that said, do you want me to solve it? Do you want me to help you solve it? Or do you want me to just listen? And what do you think, Bill, my employees wanted me to do? They wanted me to just listen. What did I want to do? I wanted to solve it. And uh, that was really helpful in guiding me to, to really realize I can't solve everybody's problems to be change ready. Uh, nevertheless, listeners, Greg and I are going to be meeting up for a coffee soon, and I'm probably going to be picking his brains about how we can solve some of my problems. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, now then, uh, part of my homework ahead of this is I was, I was reading through a few uh, articles that you published on LinkedIn recently, and, and one of those um, great articles, one, 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 that, one, one that I, I loved was called 10 Little Shifts to Get Big Results. Can you, can you share some of those with our, with our listeners, some of those shifts, and, and suggest ways that these can be adopted by HR pros and leaders? Absolutely. You know, one of the first things uh, about you know, being ready for change is uh, – not is shifting our mindset gradually. You know, one of the pieces I wrote in that article um, was often there's expectations that we're going to go from zero to 100 really quickly. And yet sometimes it's really going from zero to 10. And in the context of change, what that means is, you know, you really only have two options when you encounter change. One, you can be open or two, you can be closed. But open to change doesn't mean jumping in both feet first. Open to change could be you're going to jump in at 10% and just be open to hearing about the idea. And maybe next it'll be 20%. Well, you'll think about how the idea might impact you. And then gradually you might get up to that 100 or you might not. Um, the other option, of course, is to be closed, which means, you know, it's a zero-sum game. You're either open or closed. So I think, you know, that gradual mindset shifting is, is really important for us in HR to know and, and as leaders to know is that we might already be at 100, everyone else might be at 10. One I like to, uh, that I probably say in every keynote or presentation uh, that I do is to, re it's very simple, but it's a reminder for all of us is to remove the word but from your vocabulary. And especially in HR, when we coach people how to give performance feedback, 
we're so used to this, this conversation that goes something like this. You're really good at this, but you need to improve on that. And when you use the word but in an incorrect context, what it does is it erases everything before it. I say replace it with the word and. And again, the purpose here is to keep people engaged in the conversation, engaged in the change initiative you want to have happen. So when I say to you, you're really good at this and you need to improve upon this, it's not semantics. It's not a positive spin. It's allowing people to stay engaged in the conversation to move them down that path of change with efficiency because that's all of our jobs. Uh, the other piece that I'll just mention quickly uh, that came from that article was about knowledge and insights. And, I, and you know, all of us that are listening to this, you know, we get knowledge and insights. And wisdom is really, really wonderful to have. Um, but you must take action to make it useful. And I think, you know, I often think of, you know, a uh, uh, saying I, or a story I read years ago about it. It's really easy to be a, a Buddhist monk sitting in a monastery high up on a hill, but it's how you act when you come down to the city that really de will determine how good you are. So, so change can be hard, especially for leaders stuck in their ways. Can you, can you share some, some practical strategies for HR to help their leaders transform change-resistant mindsets Absolutely. so they can be, you know, they, yeah, so they can be resilient and improve overall, overall company culture? Well, I think one of the reasons people get stuck in change frequently is they don't believe that it can happen. And, and the thing is this, is that, you know, all of us respond to change that we agree with differently to change that we don't. So I'm not usually that interested in how people deal with change they like, you know, because we all deal with change we like really well. We all deal with change in our idea really well. Um, you know, if you choose to leave your job, it's a very different response than if the organization chooses you to leave your job or encourages you, you have a very different response. Yet the situation's the same, you're leaving your job. Um, so I think it, it is about looking at how we respond to disruptive changes. So change imposed upon us, change that comes from above. That's where the resistance is. One of the tips I'll often give to people is to look for evidence or proof of similar changes that have happened or similar way, things that have happened in other organizations or with other people. When you find evidence or proof, it helps to remove doubt with people. And when you remove doubt, it opens up your mindset and allows you to step into that change. It gives you that courage to step into that change. So if I'm, you know, coaching someone who is in their 50s, which I have, and they've said to me, I've, I've worked with people like this, said, you know, I'm in my 50s. I'll, I'll, you know, it's going to be very difficult for me to get a job. I doubt I'll ever get another job. And, you know, one of my responses, and it's going to sound facetious out of context, but one of my responses will be something like, do you think there are any other women in their 50s in this town who have gotten a job this year? And, of course, the answer is yes. And it just expands their thinking. And, and when you find evidence or prove it, it really helps expand thinking. The other uh, tip is celebrating the closeness of when you find someone doing a behavior you like or when they've completed something that you think is good. It might not be 100%, but celebrate the closeness. An example of that is years ago, I was working with a company and we came in second on a training bed. It was an international training bed. We came in second, we didn't come first. 
you know, uh, the natural response is to go, oh, boo-hoo, us, we didn't get first, we're such losers, or you know, whatever language people want to use. And yes, we did a debrief as to why we didn't get it. But I tell you, I was really proud that w- our little firm came in second out of all the other big firms that had applied for this. And we looked at all the reasons that we came in second and not 10th. Because those are the skills I wanted to build with people to keep them open, to keep them engaged and get ready for the next change. And last but not least are those good old transferable skills. They're one of the things that we often will get stuck on. And, you know, when people I'm working with or who work for me or who are, are colleagues get stuck, I'll, look, I'll ask them to look for when they've done something similar in the past, what skills, knowledge, ability help them do that and to apply it to a current situation. So, for example, if you can plan a really good and successful barbecue or birthday party, I can guarantee you can manage a project. You just might need some different language and terminology, but the organizational skills are the same. I love that mindset. And actually, that was a sneaky question in a way, because it's uh, <laughs> it was a precursor to the, my next one, which is uh, going to kind of highlight the fact that you're going to be chatting at uh, one of the Innovate Work sessions coming up. So um, you're, you're presenting a session on March 24th at the uh, Lighthouse Labs building, uh, which is King and Bathurst listeners. So if you're in the Toronto area, you should absolutely come and join us for that. And it's called Three Change Hacks, How to Get unstuck during change can you can you tell the listeners a bit about that session and what are some of the hoped for learning outcomes absolutely i really like to give people practical tips and tools and techniques that are you know based in sound research but i don't want to spend all the time talking about the theory so i usually ground my change hacks in brain science and physiology because i love that intersection of psychology and physiology so we're going to talk a little bit about that which is always fun. And we'll look at some hacks around, you know, how do we expand people's thinking to embrace innovation and change? Um, How to, you know, we've talked about transforming a change resistant mindset. We're going to look at, you know, what are some of the first things we need to do to create change with other people? And, you know, another learning outcome I would like for them to get is how do I deal with those changes that are just so negative and overwhelming and what are the tips and tools that I can give to others as well as myself that'll help us be as resilient as we can and be and respond to the changes as as efficiently as we can because change always takes energy away from our regular work and your productivity always drops a little bit so how do we you know maintain that in the face of so much change so we're going to talk about all those things Wonderful. One thing we haven't spoken about just yet, and uh, please indulge me here because it's uh, it's an interest of mine, is uh, machine learning and AI. I'd, I'd love to hear, can you maybe suggest ways that AI can help during change? Yeah, I love the concept of artificial intelligence, you know, because it, you know, we've seen, I mean, small little things that people don't think are AI. Like when you walk up to a a door that moves back automatically because it senses you. That's an example of artificial intelligence. You know, it's like, oh, someone's coming, the door's gonna open. So there's all of these little things that we have, you know, motion detectors, 
that are, that are small forms of AI. But as we move into you know, the concept of big data and using artificial intelligence um, in HR, it's going to help us do things like you know, making accurate predictions. You know, we often now, and, and I, you know, I'd probably say it's also a detriment, but I don't really know a way around it. You know, big organizations will often use algorithms to weed out suitable candidates when they apply online. Now, sometimes that's not good because I think you can miss a good candidate. Uh, sometimes you might not, you know, meet your actual, you know, threshold or benchmark, but I don't quite know a way around that. But it's a way to make accurate predictions during change, especially when um, it can make predictions during hiring. It can make predictions when we're unrolling change initiatives around what we think the best way something will fold. We know that we've seen AI look at predictors of job performance. So I think accurate prediction is one. And I love the concept uh, as well with AI about saving mental energy for us because the amount of change that happens right now takes energy. And if there is machine learning or artificial intelligence that can take away some of the things that I have to think about in my head, I love it. And the thing to reduce complexity, I think artificial intelligence can reduce complexity by taking some of it on. And, you know, last but not least, you know, I think artificial intelligence can also, you know, elevate that efficiency that we need to have happen. And, you know, those are very sort of high level brush strokes I've mentioned, because I don't want to minimize the amount of behind the scenes work that it takes to get artificial intelligence to do that. And as well, not to underestimate the fact that you know, while AI might take over a lot of, and, and has taken over, just as computers have, you know, a lot of the, that sort of hands-on type of work, how we use that is still dependent upon us as humans. I remember uh, years ago when e-learning came on and webinars and so on, and I'm talking 25, 30 years ago, people were like, oh, we're all going to be out of jobs. Yeah, well, we've seen that hasn't happened. Yes, some things can be taught online, and yes, we need to do some things virtually, but there will always be a need for HR professionals and for people who are in organizational development and for leaders to bring that human face to shape how AI functions. I hope so, Greg. Until the day that the Terminators come, but that's uh, that's just one of my <laughs> that's one of my fears that I often bring up when we're talking about AI. Um, okay, yeah, so we have... <laughs> it's a good fear. It's a good fear. You know, I think there's truth to that because I think, like I said, with HR hiring practices that completely rely on, on you know algorithms to weed people out, you miss good people. Now then, um, on a on another sort of downer note then in terms of missing good people and I, I don't necessarily want to finish on a possible downer but in your opinion why is positive thinking sometimes not good well i don't think this is a downer question at all i think it's a great question i think positive thinking can become almost tyrannical meaning people will run around and i see this at work and at home just think positively just think positively well, you know, when bad things happen, sometimes you just got to be in the negative of it. You know, it's like if you've had a bad day at work and come home and like, oh, I had a really rotten day. It was really bad. This happened. This happened. And, you know, the person at home says, well, you should be really grateful you have a job. That is not helpful. And when people come to us, and, and I would say HR professionals are, are, are probably often better at this than, than other folks, is that 
you know, we have to speak about the negatives as well as the positives. So I believe a better term is to take a positive approach. So, for example, what that looks like. If your house burns down, it is not not standing in front of your house going, oh, yippee, I get to get a new kitchen. Because we know with change, it's all about timing. So you might not be thinking about a new kitchen until six months from now. And in the workplace context, you know, when we talk about mergers and acquisitions, you know, having an executive team get up and say, hey, this is going to be really great. It's going to, you know, uh, give shareholders extra value, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, some of you might be losing your jobs. You know, they need to be understanding and in the place that this is not about positive thinking and putting a positive spin. It is about how do we take a positive approach in an otherwise negative situation? And you see there's lots of research around that in healthcare where, you know, someone gets a cancer diagnosis. There's, there's, it's not about saying, yippee, I got cancer. <laughs> like people would just laugh at that. It's about what action can I take in this otherwise crappy situation? So I think positive thinking is overused. I think, yes, I do believe you want to be in a positive mindset. You know, one of my tips I gave in the LinkedIn article is, you know, how you start your day is how you live your day. And, you know, if it's a rainy day out, you can get up and say, it's a lousy day. Or you can take a positive approach and say, it's a wet day. And, and you know, saying, yippee, it's raining. I'm going to get soaking wet and putting a positive spin on it is not useful. So that's a long way of saying sitting at home and praying for that job or, uh, you know, writing out your goals is really great. And that, that is definitely a form of positive thinking, which I love and I think is good. But in order for it to be effective, you must take action. And that's where, to me, a positive approach comes in. So in, in change management, where I think we've gotten stuck in this belief that we say, just tell people the benefits, they'll do it. Put a positive spin. Well, that's not true. Let's just tell them what's going on. Let's see, you know, what action we can take with that. And that combined creates a positive approach. So I don't think it's a downer question at all. Now, in terms of taking action, Greg, uh, last question yep. for you today. How can our listeners take action and connect with you and learn more about you? How can they maybe get a copy of your book, Ready, Set, Change Again? The best way for people to connect with me is to uh, go onto my website, www.greg, that's G-R-E-G-G, brown, B-R-O-W-N, like the color, dot C-A. So I'm in Canada. That's why I have a dot C-A, not a dot com. So www.gregbrown.ca. Or connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where, you know, many people follow me. Um, and they can, you know, access Amazon or their book provider to order any types of books. And my latest book, the top change, the top ten change hacks, is free if you sign up for the newsletter on my website. So I have to give my web team a shout out for reminding me to say that. <laughs> okay, perfect. That just leaves me to say for today, Greg Brown. Thank you very much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you. And listeners, as always. Um, kind of in a more poignant manner than ever for this interview. Uh, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.